I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the Palatial Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, March the 6th. We're back on our normal Wednesday, which is funny because next week we're totally going to ruin the idea of normalcy. Um, Virginia gets out and <laughs> comes back and beats the crap out of Syracuse, uh, which we will no doubt discuss on this here program tonight. We will also uh, talk about the final um, regular season matchup uh, of the season. Wow, that's really bad. Uh, Virginia's final regular season matchup uh, with Louisville on Saturday afternoon. It will be senior day for Jack Salt. It could be the final time you see other uh, Wahoos in uniform in JPJ. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that, uh, especially kind of apropos coming off of uh, Monday night's win. Uh, and we'll also, if if we get any questions, because somebody, namely me, forgot to post the thread uh, like a um, like a dork, I forgot to post a question thread earlier in the day. So if we get any uh, from that, we will ask those at the end. And if not, this new segment, we'll skip a week and come back next week. Because when you have your own podcast, you can do things like that. Uh, let's go around and introduce everybody up in uh, Fishersville. David Spence is on the show. How are you, my friend? For the 299th time, Brad, I'm doing fine. Jeez, stop asking. <laughs> who Dave's on the board, at Who Dave's on Twitter. I like how you, you're pretending like you've been on every episode. Which is I've missed def- like six. <laughs> that would be great if you actually knew the specific number. That'd be great. Up in Arlington, staff writer Justin Ferber, also on the program. How are you, my friend? Great. Uh, my 196th consecutive appearance. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. I have no idea. And I've definitely missed some, and I definitely wasn't here from the beginning. Um Man, I'd love to hear the audio from that first one to hear about how good that 2012 football team is going to be. Um, <laughs> <laughs> at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game, um, yeah, in-game updates, content, items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, what's really funny is that like that's basically what the what episode 300 is going to be, aside from uh, our special guest, whom I'm not going to name. I believe they call that in the industry a tease. All right, so... Monday night, um, Virginia was playing like no, I don't want to say they were playing like crap because they still they were still shooting the ball well from deep, but that was like the only thing the Cavaliers were doing right. And then out of nowhere, it was just a molly whopping. It it went it went from like one point game to oh man, this thing is a blowout and a half in the in the literal blink of an eye. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. Um, Ferber, you're the usually the more reserved or more uh, realistic of the three of us you thought that uh virginia was going to lose which game was that was that the that was louisville Louisville. yeah you saw okay so you have you have been feeling a potential letdown somewhere along the way as you watched the first half unfold did you think that anything like what you saw in the second half was coming uh no i don't i don't next question no yeah, no, I don't really necessarily think that UVA was like due for a letdown. I just think that it's hard to win on the road in this league. Like, um, I don't feel like a loss at Louisville or Syracuse would necessarily be a letdown unless they played poorly. And in the Louisville game, I mean, they didn't shoot that great, but I felt like you know you were just kind of getting beat by a team that was out playing you, and that's really what happened to Syracuse in the second half um, on Monday night up there. It just it was a barrage of threes, and, and we know that, that UVA can, can shoot the ball well. I mean, their percentages are near the top nationally from three, um, but nowhere near 18 of 25, you know, on average. So, you know, it was an impressive performance, and honestly, it didn't really dawn on me of how good it was until near the end of the game when everything was going in, because I knew that, you know, they shot the ball pretty well in the first half, but 
you know, it really got out of hand, you know, late and, and everything they threw up to the rim seemed to be going in. And, you know, the subtle adjustments against the two, three zone, I think really paid off and got them some slightly better looks. And then even the ones that Syracuse closed out on went in. So, I mean, sometimes it's just your night and it's crazy to think like, you know, that second Duke game, I feel like you can almost throw it out to a degree because of how well they shot the basketball and, you know, how unusual that is for them. But UVA, I mean, did better than that even. You know, it's crazy to think that, you know, how how hot Duke seemed to be in Charlottesville could be bested. Um, the only thing that I think makes it a little different is that Duke doesn't do that normally, and UVA at least is a pretty good shooting team. So uh, a little out of character in a good way, but obviously they, they have the guys that can make the shots. And, uh, you know, Lord help anybody that runs up against that sort of UVA team and shooting in March. Yeah, I mean, it was a buzzsaw and a half. At um, <laughs> at 7.49 p.m. on Monday, Dave texted the thread and said, so much for sober weekdays, where's my beer? To which I responded that... Uh, that, <laughs> that was appropriate for that time. It absolutely was. To which it I responded, was. that's not sustainable in the second half, not even close. Um, Dave was much better off with his beer than I was with my... Uh, um, misguided prognostication. Um, not that I'm necessarily like a faucet of, I mean, I, I've had some good moments with like guessing who was going to have a big game, but realistically, like um, I should be out of the prognostication business in general. Um, I don't think I've ever, I don't think Dave, I've, I've ever seen your text go from so dire to so like, I think you were. I joke about how Ferber's the more reasonable of the three of us, but I think you were. You you have your 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 thumb on the pulse because I you, the the reaction on the board on Twitter and stuff is exactly what you were bringing to the thread. It it didn't seem real in the in the moment. It didn't. It doesn't. It doesn't even look as I as like I hear like the you know people talking about it. And I'm and I'm reading about it and I'm look and I and I I tra- I charted a lot of that game. And so much of it doesn't make any sense to me. Have you even been able to sort of, I don't want to say wrap your mind around what <laughs> they did, but does, I mean, how do, what do you, what do you take away from, from that? Does that, does that give you hope that it, you know, some point down the road, they're just going to go nuts from three again? Uh, I mean, we've talked about it in multiple podcasts, like what happens when, when all three of the guys get hot at the same time. And that's what you saw uh, Monday night. It was, I mean, they couldn't miss, and when they did miss, we usually got a rebound and hit the next one. Um, I mean, I think going into the half, we were both – I think we were all kind of worried. The game was – I think Virginia was, what, down six at the half or three? I mean, it was – they were down at the half. Um, I think it was two. At, yeah, at that point, Virginia had made eight three-pointers and had six points in the paint or something. I mean, it was, it was a very unbalanced attack, and, you know, at that point, it felt like – I think I texted, I was like, you know, you know, by the numbers, Virginia should get like two threes in the second half. So they got to score inside. And it turns out the eight, the eight three pointer half was the worst of the two. Um, that's a pretty good night. Like, yeah, I, I don't know that you can, you definitely can't count on that every night. Um, but you know, that's players make plays and that's, that's what you saw. Um, I, I don't know that, you know, they needed to make 18 to win that game, but, the way they were playing, the way Syracuse was defending the paint, um, if Virginia had kind of, if they had come out cold in the second half and hit half that many, it would have been a very interesting game towards the end. Um, I thought Syracuse did some really good things. I don't want to take any credit away from the adjustments they made on the zone, 
that you know Virginia had kind of taken advantage of in the previous matchups with Dre at the free throw line. I mean, they really collapsed on Dre a lot and kind of forced the ball out of his hand. And when we went to tie at the free throw line, that's when the offense kind of woke up. Um, but I think it's just, you know, we always joke, you know, big time, you need big time players and big time moments and just happens. Virginia's got three guys at any moment who could step up and make shots. And, and they did, you know, that, that long three pointer from Ty was just, I think that was the absolute backbreaker. Um, but what's funny is on the rewatch, you kind of forget it real time, but Kyle had one almost as long in the first half, um, from the, from the right side, um, right top of the key. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was an outstanding performance. Um, and then, you know, and Mamadi and Jay played well too. Um, yeah, a great team performance. And it's imagine like, even though they shot that well over the course of the game, there was, it was still close for a while. So it gives you hope, you know, if they struggle, they can turn it on like that. Um, but I still think, you know, Syracuse does deserve some credit for the adjustments they made. It was all right. So it's 40, it's 40, 37 after O'Shaber set and makes a pair of free throws with 16, 16, I can't remember my writing. Jerome answers with a three to tie it. All right. Then Huff scores to give Virginia its third lead. This was, uh, I guess, the 18th lead, sorry, 17th lead change. Battle comes back and hits a three 20 seconds later. Put him back up 43-42. Syracuse didn't score again for six and a half minutes. All right? From that point forward, from Battle 3 at 15.05, they scored a, a total of 10 points the rest of the way. Um, by himself, all right? Kyle Guy scored one, two, three, four. So he scored 12 by himself from that, from just that one point forward. Okay. DeAndre Hunter from that point forward scored two, scored six, uh, nine. All right. And Jerome scores three. Let's see, three. So he scored. All right. So he only had the, 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 the one, the one three from that point forward. I think the reason I'm I'm highlighting that is because it kind of puts into context. Like we we are used to. I, I mentioned to this Fer, to Ferber uh, the other day um, during the pit game. It's like when Virginia lets somebody score more than twenty points and a half. It's like there's a part of me that's like ah, well that's wasted. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Virginia held a t- a, a a major Division One team to ten points in 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 fifteen minutes of game action. In the second half at home in the ACC, that's ridiculous. A team that has won national championships, a team that has players who look—you can, we can get down on them about this and that—but those dudes can still can usually do exactly the kind of thing that Virginia is susceptible to, you know. And it's just that's uh, that's the three-headed monster. Like that thing is a beast. Like, and to your guys' point, like when Virginia is on, like this is like this is the antithesis of the first Duke game. Right when the threes just weren't falling and there just wasn't a whole lot uh, outside, so they so everything had to be inside. This was the opposite, and I and I think that to today's point about the the adjustment that Syracuse made to to sort of uh, to jump passes to basically crowd DeAndre in the middle. I thought the, as big as the wrinkle was to to run tie through the middle. Uh, I thought even bigger than that, or maybe as big, was to have Dre flash to the to the top to the high post as opposed to letting him camp there because 
his motion in and of itself it didn't the ball didn't have to go to him. They didn't even have to look at him. Just simply going from the corner to the high post re- required Syracuse to react. And Virginia played off of that several times, which I thought was was some masterful stuff. And this is another game to me where people can talk smack about Tony Bennett and his offense and and how you know that's going to be their problem and they're never going to do this. And maybe later this month they won't. But what he has shown this year, just in terms of the versatility that Virginia has played with, it I think it's a perfect example to future recruits. Hey, it if you think that this defensive-minded coach doesn't have the wherewithal to do things offensively, like when he's got the pieces, man, he'll, he'll use them. And I understand that there are probably some fans right now who are looking at their iPhones or their computers or what have you, and cursing me because you know they don't feel like he's used Jay Huff enough. But in this game, I think Huff was exactly what they needed in the right sort of way. I thought he and Dikite were were strong together again. Um, and I just think overall, like Tony's embracing of of offensive tweaks and changes has been as evident this year as it has, especially since I started covering the team. Um, I I just think that while they haven't always executed well, and certainly in the first half, I thought a lot of the action they were running, they were just trying to force too much. And some of those passes were even the ones that got completed were just tenuous at best. It just did not, it didn't, it didn't look good. It didn't feel good and it wasn't good. Um, But then they, they turned it around and did it in a hurry. Um, Ferber, when you think about the ACC tournament and now I want to talk about specifically the ACC tournament, because we know, we know the teams that are going to be in that. We might not necessarily know right now the exact order of, seeding and all that fun stuff, but we know the teams that are going to be in that. Um, do you look out and see a team who can do all the different things that Virginia can do? And I don't, I mean, we're going to do a preview of the tournament next week once we know all the seeding and that kind of thing. But I just generally, as as we start to, to switch into postseason mode, I'm just curious, do you see a team that can be as versatile as Virginia can be? Um... It's hard to say because Duke doesn't. Ha- Duke has that glaring weakness of not being able to shoot, um, and we've seen them be able to shoot. I, mean, I just don't know if they're going to be able to do that over the course of a nine-game postseason run, um, or six, you know, in the NCAA tournament. Um, it, it's hard to say because UVA, you know, is better defensively than a lot of those other teams. To be quite honest with you, um, did you mean just in the conference or around the country? No, I'm just saying in the ACC tournament, is there a team that you could see? Because, like I said, we 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 know who those teams are going to be. We don't know what the what the makeup of the the region or what have you is going to be in the NCAA's. But in the ACC right. tournament, we know the participants. We know what each team is going to be. The re- I, I let me let me let you in on why I'm asking the question. The reason I was at, was curious about it was because as I look around the landscape of the league, I don't think that there's a team who can hurt you as inside and out the way Virginia can. And I wonder in a in a compressed setting, how much more valuable that is. I mean, we, I think for a lot of people who fans of Virginia, people who, who watch Virginia, people who just watch college basketball, the thing that stands out about this team is that you, if you try to attack it, they, there's always a counter. And I don't think I could say that about most Virginia teams, even the really successful ones. I mean, if this thing, if there was, you know, thing X isn't working, I mean, granted, if the pack line is like in tatters, yeah, no, but I'm saying like, if you take a, if you try to chase them off the three point line, you're just going to open up stuff behind them, and they have bigs who can make who can score at the rim. If you try to take away the inside stuff, if you try to zone it up and make it muddy in the inside, they have shooters who can fan out and and hurt you all over the place. I just don't think I've seen a Virginia team that was as versatile offensively, 
when combined with playing good defense. Yeah, this team does get its energy from its offense, but at the same time, you, you I just don't think that it, there's another team in the league, including Duke, who can counter punch the way Virginia can counter punch. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, maybe North Carolina just because they have a style that works for them, and they're not a bad shooting team. I think they're like thirty-seven percent from three, which is pretty good. Um, Florida State doesn't really shoot the ball that well. Um, they they have a lot of length and and everything, but yeah, I mean, as as far as beating teams in a number of different ways, I think UVA is probably the most versatile. Um, the only thing is, it's it's you know, it, it just the the pace of play can sometimes become a problem if you get in a big deficit uh but i mean other than that i think that you know they'll be okay um yeah i mean obviously if duke at full strength is you know maybe the best team in the country uh but if if they're not having a good shooting game i mean that kind of leaves them you know vulnerable i think to losing you know whether it's in charlotte or really you know in the, anything past the first two rounds of the ncaa tournament you have a mediocre to bad shooting night there's you know the, you can only have so many zion to the basket type plays i mean eventually you got to make some shots so i think uva is definitely set up in that way to you know if one thing's not working rely on something else and then you always have your defense which is good as well obviously but um, I think, yeah, I mean, you have to like them as, as far as, you know, what they can do and, and the different pieces. And obviously now you got three pros on this team, probably more. Um, if one guy, one guy doesn't have to do it all. Right. And so you don't have to rely on Dre by himself to carry them. But if the, if the threes aren't going in for Ty and Kyle, maybe he picks you up or maybe he's, you know, picked up a couple fouls and, and, you know, Ty and Kyle have to pick it up. So, I mean, it just – any given night, I mean, having that versatility is definitely huge. And in the postseason, you need it because you're going to find yourself in a lot of different matchups with different styles and, and rosters and, and strengths and weaknesses. Speaking of, uh, speaking of um, styles and, and matchups, Dave, Virginia gets Louisville again on Saturday. Um, the first game, I'm not – I, I, it feels a lot like the first Duke game to me, which is like, how much of it can you really pull? The first Louisville game came at a time when, when the cards were not just reeling, but just in free fall. And I'm not entirely sure that they're necessarily out of it. I know that they, you know, they did pick up a win um, and they're not in the month of February anymore, but um, I'm curious to see how, how they play um, and what it, you know, what the situation sort of presents to them. But in terms of UVA, it's a, um, you know, it's an obviously a chance for them to go out and and lock up the number one seed in the ACC tournament. What are you worried about with this rematch, and how much of that first game do you think translates at all? I mean, it, it definitely translates. Just it's the same dudes, right? You know, it's different, different, different venue, but same guys. Um, <clears throat> Louisville still got talent. You know, if they come out and can hit some threes, and Virginia's a little cold. I, you know, I think they've got some confidence based on how they performed in the first half of the last meeting. Um, but, you know, it's just, I, I think it's just going to be a little bit too much for them with, you know, Jack Salt's last, last home game and potentially the last home game for two, if not three other guys. Um, it's going to be a lot of emotion in there. And I think that's probably going to be, you know, it's going to keep Virginia from being complacent. Um, not that, I don't think that would be a big factor because, you know, Virginia wins this game, they get the one seed locked up regardless of what happens elsewhere. Um, so I do think, uh, you know, but, you know, it never hurts to have that extra incentive. And, you know, Virginia at home is pretty good. The, uh, 
Virginia on the road is pretty good. Virginia's pretty good at basketball. Um, I just think they're, you know, we're just playing a little bit too well right now for a team like Louisville to come in there and really present a challenge when, when the team's locked in. So I, I don't anticipate any issues. Um, I'm, I'm sure it'll be some tight moments in the beginning, but um, I think, I think overall it'll be a pretty easy win, pretty relaxing win, a chance to, to kind of celebrate and, and enjoy another impressive regular season. Um, uh, sad. I can't believe it's over already. Well, it's not over because it's still alive in your heart. Uh, um, yeah, never. It's funny because to me, like, the reason I asked a question about, you know, how much translates is because I just don't know how, like, that, like, Louisville's, I, I don't want to say Louisville's going to go out and, uh, they're not going to go out and do that again because, I, again, I'm out of the prognostication business. But it just doesn't seem likely that the Cardinals are going to come out and shoot as well in the, in the first half as they did at the Yum Center and then do in the second half what they did uh, at the in the Yum Center. I also don't think Virginia's going to play that poorly to start. I, I thought coming out of you know coming out of the Syracuse game, what, what what it feels like to me is that this is a team that is finally sort of not necessarily peaking, but playing really well, and then the 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 guys who are playing together seem to be meshing. Um, I think the continued uh, investment of minutes in Jay Huff is showing dividends. I think that uh, Mamadi Kite is, is showing dividends. It certainly seems like whether Jack's back is 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 really hurting him or if or if it's just kind of nagging at him. And also, too, Tony's, you know, I, I don't know if the minutes are necessarily a direct reflection of the injury or not, but it certainly seems like that he has, even if he starts, he's still, he's kind of fitting even more so into that role player um, um, side of things as opposed to kind of, you know, playing extended minutes. Um, and, I, and I also think that Ty's back has, has he visibly looks looser, right? He, he looks more like the version of him we saw earlier in the season. Uh, Ferber, as you start to look at this game before, obviously before you get to the preview on on Friday, but how how do you sort of handicap it, um, given where these two teams are now versus where they were uh, when they met the first time? What's what's different about them, and and how does that sort of inform the way you look at this matchup? I mean, I think UVA was. I wouldn't say they were in a slump then. Um, they had just beaten Virginia Tech on the road, but they were coming off of a stretch of playing a bunch of tight games, um, regardless of opponent. You know, they 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 lost to Duke and then they rebounded. You know, they beat Notre Dame, but it was close. Um, you know, they they got through the North Carolina game with a win that was a really good win, and then obviously they beat Tech and Blacksburg in another close game, and then. You know, they get down to Louisville, and it's like, okay, well, eventually, you know, one of these games might not go your way. And then they rallied in the second half and, and played really well, and Louisville shooting disappeared. Um, and I think that I kind of do think there is a tangible or maybe intangible um, effect from, you know, like you guys have already played. Like Louisville is trying to pull the upset off, and they already, like, I feel like they have to think they threw their best half of basketball UVA in the first half in Louisville and, and it didn't, it wasn't enough, right? It wasn't able to, they weren't able to translate it to the second half. And then, you know, they ultimately lost the game by I think 12. Um, so, I mean, I feel like when you, you, when you do your best, throw your best out there and then you still lose, that has to kind of carry over a little bit. Um, I think Dave's right. I think there'll be some tough moments early in the game. I think it'll be close. 
Um, if Louisville shoots like they did in the first half of the, the first meeting, then yeah, it'll, it'll stay close. But I kind of don't think Louisville's in a better place now than they were then, maybe even worse because they went on the road and lost to Boston College right after that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that they're kind of just trying to get into the postseason right now. Um, and UVA is obviously playing for a lot more on Saturday. So I think they'll be able to get it done at home uh, by, you know, probably 12, 13, 14 points like they did the first game. I'm not super worried about this one uh, just because I think that UVA will, will come out ready to play in, at home and, and they'll get it done after, you know, having seen, you know, they they they, they felt the scare of Louisville already. I think they're going to take them seriously and know that they have to be ready for 40 minutes. And from what we saw of Louisville in the first game, it looks like they would have to probably play like they did in the first half of that game in both halves of the rematch to win. And I, I just don't think they can do that. Yeah, I'm I'm not necessarily going to disagree with you. Um I I don't know how good that team is. And that's not just a yeah. ref- reflection of like what they've done, but you know what I mean? Like they've got I some mean they pieces. were picked 11th for a for a reason, right? I mean, but part of that was uh like the unknown. I mean, they brought in a, a transfer from a small school and Wara was like what, like the fifth scoring option right. last year. So, I mean, they just didn't know where they were going to get their points from. And I think that they've made themselves a competent tournament team, but I'm, I'm right. not sure that they are as scary as we thought they were a month ago. <laughs> we're the, they're, they're who we thought they were, um, except not. No, I think the thing about Louisville too, is that they are not the same when they don't have, um, when they don't have a lead guard who can do a lot m- more on, you know what I mean? Like, and that's not, I'm not trying to throw shade. I'm just being, you know, I'm just kind of evaluating it also too. look teams and flux are always up and down, right? When you're in the middle of a transition, there there's just going to be a lot of up and down. I, I'm still I'm still baffled that VJ King doesn't play for them. Um, I, I I just it doesn't make any sense to me. That kid is so talented, um, and I'm not sure what happened behind the scenes and all that fun stuff. But if you're in a position where you can't use him, I mean, it just kind of kind of blows me away but at the same time i would you know maybe a lot of people thought that about virginia and tony bennett with uh jay huff um but you know, I, I just don't know how good they are and and i don't know right now uh with virginia being where they are to ferber's point from earlier like it's not it's not just that you have you know a couple guys it's like there, there's a there's just a group of dudes who are you gotta catch them when they all have off nights um and even within games, the way they've been able to address something and, and just shut and just stop the bleeding, shut the water off is actually really impressive. I mean, think about that at the half, they had like what, eight turnovers Monday night. And I think they turned it over three times in the second half, but those eight turnovers, a lot of them came from the same sort of, you know, mistake, which I called dumb until I deleted it because stupid Twitter and algorithm. Um, it just, it just, they are very good at like, Oh yeah, this is the thing we've got to stop doing. Um, now in Durham, you know, it'd been a nice if they had started, you know, hit another, you know, a couple threes here and there, um, cause it would have made a big difference, but, and maybe, you know, in that game, trying to stop Zion and Barrett, which I, I contend to you in terms of like one, two combos is as nasty as it, as I've ever seen it. I don't know if any two, any team has ever had two guys who could dribble drive, uh, and do it with that much, um, athleticism and, and physical prowess, but, I just I just look at this Louisville team and, I, and and it's not that I don't think Virginia can lose. It's just like it's it's really hard to expect that they're going to be able to have a better uh, that they're going to be able to put together a complete game 
and at the same time do it on both ends. What do you think, Dave? I mean, I think the only thing Louisville's got going for it is, is the law of averages, if you believe in such things. I mean, if you take Virginia's three-point shooting, I was just playing around with the math while you were rambling on there. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Ouch. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Ouch. Yeah. Are you kidding, though? It, Are you, yeah, though? I mean, I wasn't yeah. really, am right. I, am I really kidding. Wow. Wow. Um, 299 wow. episode, and the, the patient's finally worse. <laughs> yeah, it finally is done. Like, that, like, it's just done. You know what? Put it on blast. Are you killing my point? Um, <laughs> that's good. Now, so Virginia went two for 25 against Louisville on Saturday. Would be terrible, right? And that would be good for Louisville. That would still be over 40% for the last two games combined. So, um, yeah, I, I'd say Louisville has a, has a chance if Virginia's really cold from the outside. But, um I don't think law of averages work like that. Let's hope not. Otherwise, we'll be joking about me having said it. Um, it's just, I don't know. I, I just, we know Chris Mack's not too big on his guys. And, you know, it's They've got a lot of turmoil over there, and I think turmoil coming into a, a locked-in team with the talent Virginia has is just, is just too much. So um, hopefully you know, I won't have to pop a beer out of frustration during that game. What what evidence do you possibly have that Chris Mack doesn't like his team? <laughs> I don't know. It's a rumor. Can yeah. we talk about that for a second? <laughs> Listen, oh, that sure. thing got like a million views. <laughs> yeah, wait, hey, Dave, what's the what's the what's the latest on that thing? Uh, it was over fifty last time I checked. Yeah, fifty thousand. Fifty thousand. Yeah. Nice stupidity. See, that was an excellent job by the Raycom people or whoever that game was. Um, they yeah, got the like the entire phrase out. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? It wasn't just one word. He you he sat down, he looked for a second, <laughs> and then he looked over and said, you know, I'm going to say something to my assistant. And then he said it, and then he went back to his water bottle, and the entire thing was captured. Yeah, great, was, great film. It was... And I don't disagree with what he was saying. No? <laughs> I guess, should we, t- should we talk about what he was saying? <laughs> I mean, I, we're not going to say the thing. He basically said, we are a bunch of sissies. But he, he, using- he thought his team was soft. <laughs> yeah, there you go. He's, yeah, he does not like his team. I mean, let's, I, I've, I've talked to this before. Uh, what was it, like 730-some days ago, right? Two years ago, Kevin Stallings. I mean, that dude, whew, never, seen a, never seen a coach who hated his team that much. Um and then I see Chris Mack, and Chris Mack really does not like them dudes. Like he really. Well, at least he's not like you know. Talking yeah. about how they they should well, never. Kevin Stallings like literally literally threatened to kill one of his players one time. Like yeah. Chris Chris Mack didn't do that. He just quietly that, well, said that we know. Coach in a very like matter of fact way. I mean, and here's the thing: is like I I I have talked about this I think on the show, and I've definitely talked to to Dave and Ferber about this, but like. Sometimes when when I'm going on the different wire services trying to pull images, like, and you can you can get a sense of people, you know, and like Jason, or, uh, Jason well, Jeff Cable, for yeah, me. Jeff Cable, all of his all of his pictures, he looks like he's doing the what the heck are you doing uh, face all the time, but like Chris Mack, he is exasperated all the time, and look, I'm not saying that that he's any different now than he was before, right? But like, I don't know if that's sustainable, man. He looks. He looks unhappy. Like, and I mean, to some extent, coaches are that way. Like, if you watch Tony, I mean, Tony is intense. He's as intense a dude as you're ever going to find. Man, Chris Mack looks just exasperated all the time. Like, he's just angry. Like, he's just upset. And I kind of feel bad for him. Um, now, granted, he's recruiting at a really high level. And this class that they've got coming in is yeah. really talented. And so maybe a lot of this stuff gets fixed once he's got his dudes in there. But man, like on some level, dude, you got to be able to amass some of that, you know, like you can't just be putting all the goodies out there for everybody. 
I think he, I think his yeah, team you know. kind of teased them because they they you know played over their heads for a, a month or so, and it was like, oh man, this thing might be on track. We might, to, we might be, be all right. Yeah. And it, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, this is the team that I thought oh, I right. had. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. True. Yeah. I mean, in Max defense, you know, obviously the team has struggled down the down the stretch, and you know, not a not not guys he recruited, and they, they haven't had a lot of success against Virginia and. They they kind of choked away the Duke game, but you know there's also some. I don't think the off off the court stuff is done at Louisville, and I'm sure that's kind of weighing on him. Um, sure, he's hearing about it, so I, I don't know that it's going to get any easier for him anytime soon. Um, but he does, have, yeah, he's got some really good talent coming in there, but he's also got some really good talent on that team already. True, um, like he definitely has more talent to roster than Tony Bennett inherited, you know, without a doubt. So. Yeah. Um, that's fair. Yeah, Don't I, you dare besmirch Will Sherrill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean, good old Will know, Sherrill. They're easy, you know, top five or six talent wise in the ACC. Um, so it's, I don't know. It's just, it's just one of those matchups that, you know, it's like uh, BC always gives us a tough time, just in the way they play. And Notre Dame has, with Bray, has given us a tough time most years. You mean um, the best coach you know, in the just ACC? Just the systems. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I appreciate how we went on this whole podcast and we didn't talk about the fact that Virginia beat Pittsburgh. Um, Do we really need to mention that? <laughs> Do we need to pile on those poor kids? I mean, actually, they're, they're liberated because Kevin Thomas isn't there. That's true. Yeah, they're having fun. They're, um, they definitely look more in, like Well, none of those kids time. actually played for Kevin Stallings. I was going to say, it's like a whole except budget. For, except Wilson except frame. for Brad's boy, Jared Wilson Frame. Yeah. Wilson Frame just out there. He's on that. He's, he's on that. He's on that Julius Campbell trick. I would just get mine. (laughs) Also, we need to, uh, before I forget this, because I definitely will forget, we need to shout out, um, I don't know his name, but uh, Jason Williford's son. uh, Oh, little little Williford. Just absolutely drained two half-court shots in a row. In a row. He's like 10 years old or something. In a row. And Jason was (laughs) like... And Jason, he hit that first one. Jason's like, like, like come here. Come on, man. We, you're supposed to be in a like, – and so he, he motions for them to like go to the other gym. And then I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was just because he was like talking to us. And the kid just went back out there and hit another one. And he was like, yo, did you see? He's like, yeah, Sonic, get off the court. Yeah, all the students were like <laughs> cheering and everything. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. It was pretty fun. Just all right. pure joy. So we, we did get a few questions on Ask the Crew, and actually one of them is a perfect segue into a conversation I want to have to close the show. So let's let's jump right into this. So uh, Brian Jordan asked, um, we've only seen him in limited numbers, but what skills do each of the players on the bench, on the end of the bench rather, uh, need to work on the most in the offseason? Um I'm gonna say for so let's just, let's just assume that these players are Marco, Cody, Franco. <laughs> I was like, does he really want to know about like Jaden Nixon? Because I no. have nothing. <laughs> That's me, man. Um, Marco, yeah, uh, we're no, just, no, I just don't. I've never seen him play basketball. Really. We're gonna focus on Marco, um, Cody Statman, and uh, Frankie Badoki. Um, for Badoki, I think it's uh, fluidity. Like he's a he's a really good athlete, but he's just not a very fluid. Right, so a lot of his a lot of his movements when he when he changes directions, you know, his, he's got to he's got to get more fluid and fluidity in his hips. I think that's important. Um, to me, Cody Statman just needs to get stronger from a physical standpoint. He he he's not he has good instincts. He's just sort of slow to to move, and he's uh, and he's he, he clearly is not physically at a place where he's strong enough yet to sometimes get a shot up and through um, defenders. For Marco, I think it's his ball handling. I think, you know, his shot is a little bit um, hit or miss, no pun intended, because it's a shot. But 
mechanically it, it it's probably going to be it is what it's going to be but i think he can become a better ball handler i think that's something you can put some real work into and, and and be better at and i think if he can improve that um whether that you know it whether that's as part of the rotation or wherever um i think would be good anybody got any other additions on that or yeah, I agree with everything you said. I think Badoki's, uh, you know, area needs to focus on the most is really just scoring the basketball. I mean, he came in as kind of a project on that end of the floor, like a really good athlete, kind of like Akil Mitchell. Um, you know, he came to Charlottesville, not quite a finished product on the offensive end and really improved. Um, and then I think with Marco and Cody, it's just like familiarity and uh, reps in the defense, like closing out on people and, and just lateral like movement. Um, it's really important in the pack line. And we saw guys like Ty, you know, as freshmen kind of struggle at times with it and then get really a lot. And even Kyle get better at it over time. So, I mean, it's not something that can't be done. Um, yeah. And, you know, with the other thing with Cody, I think it's, um, you know, you, you, you alluded to strength, you know, he's not going to be, he's not an uber athletic guy, so he's going to have to have size or he's just going to, you know, he's going to play the three and maybe some four, depending on the, the lineup he's playing with. He's going to need to have the strength to be able to guard the post when they back him down, um, and I think for him and Badoki, like you know, as much playing, they're practicing against a very talented team now. Um, you know, just as much basketball as they can play, especially you know, Statman. You know, Statman's probably playing against some of the best players they've ever played against right now. Um, so just getting experience and how they play the game, and Marco, you, you mentioned Marco's ball handling. I think that, so weird about him is you know he shoots lefty but he almost almost always dribbles with his right hand. He rarely dribbles with his left. Um, he looks very uncomfortable with the ball, and we didn't see that last year, so I don't know what happened there. Um, maybe it's lack of minutes or lack of consistent minutes, but you know, depending on what happens with the roster, all three of them need to make significant gains um, for the good of my fan psyche. <laughs> uh, next question I'm gonna it's the uh, ultimate goal the ultimate goal to make Dave happy uh, Grafton wanted to know uh, how much impact the assistant coaches seem to be having on the offense since um, we've seen some changes from the last few years I think the thing that the I'm really glad that that he asked this question because something that struck me um, a couple games ago is just I it's not necessarily that I, I think UVA is scouting better it's that like I think their prep right now is on a whole other level. Like you, you very, uh, they were like, I feel like there were a couple wrinkles in the Virginia tech game that maybe they weren't expecting, but these dudes seem to have not just, not just in terms of like what they're expecting from the opponent, but then they almost like they know that that team X is going to do this. So we're going to do that. And then once we do that, they're going to do this They're They seem, they seem extremely prepared. So it's not even specific to me, to the offense. I just think that something is kicked up in their uh in their shop just in terms of the way that they um are preparing in terms of the offense i do think orlando vandross has had uh, some impact on that i think um you know soderberg has has historically you know he's been the voice at least publicly about you know trying to do some things differently on offense i think O has has been uh integral in my estimation of not necessarily getting uh getting things um to change as much as putting different options on the table. But I also think a lot of, a lot of the off offense stuff has just been dudes are good. Like that's just what happens when you have really good players. Like when you have good players, you can do a variety of different things. And so I think a lot of the prep stuff is because of the staff makeup and just the basketball office and operation as a, as a whole. But in terms of the offense, yeah, I think always had some impact, but I think overall it's just really just these dudes are really good. What do you guys think? 
Yeah. Yeah. Think about last year. Yeah. Think about last year's lineups. I mean, how many minutes Isaiah Wilkins and Jack Salt were getting? And, you know, they were kind of cleanup players right now. Now you've got in some lineups, you've you've still got three and you've replaced them with DeAndre Hunter um, as far as scoring. So just you're, you're right. A lot more scoring options. And I pay a lot of attention. I think it was probably a month or two ago. You mentioned seeing Soderberg like call out the play before the you know, as soon as the other team called it. And I pay attention to him like he. I imagine his job is scouting the other team's offense because um, he consistently if you watch the bench you'll see him anytime the other team calls a play Soderberg will call it out with them and you know and Ty a lot of times will be the guy he's signaling to and they adjust and that's a huge thing yeah and, yeah I think it was like a te- the tech game he was like pointing to the yeah, where the guy was going to come off the screen and run to yeah like he was just pointing to the spot and he just ran right to it well so. and I think too one of the things I think is different since uh Ron left is that before and, I, and I'm almost positive I have this right that the different assistants would basically rotate the game scout, right? So if, you know, if Williford had the last game, maybe Sanchez had this game and the next game Soderbergh would have, and they would sort of go that way. Now I believe that Williford has changed that up as the associate, as the associate head coach where Sodi and O do all of it. And I wonder if, if, if it's an offense defense thing and they, and they basically chop it all up. Uh, if that's the case, it would actually make a lot of sense then why you're seeing such consistency and and stuff because the the the, yeah. the game plans are coming from the same sort of place and the and there's probably a groove that they're in in terms of um, who's you know when they get the cut ups and and how they're able to see it. I think that would actually be they never say anything about it publicly because they don't want anybody to know like how they really do it. But I think that's actually sort of fascinating. But yeah, and I think the one thing that gets kind of lost in you know, Tony Bennett's a great guy. You know, he always says the right things. Um, you know, when you see him after the the heartbreaking loss at the end of the season last year, think about how, how he took it with such grace. And you go back to the Syracuse loss a few years before that, same thing, you know. Um, I, I think because of how humble and, and accepting and nice he is, people tend to forget just how damn competitive he is. And if you, if you think Tony Bennett sat around all summer, like, okay with what happened um like the, the reason a lot of the changes weren't just because he was like tony bennett has no intention of lo- losing to a 16 seat again like he might have been gracious but I, I can tell you from the little bit yeah. i know just reading stories about him and knowing how competitive he is he has no intention of letting that happen again yeah um, yeah he didn't say like oh well we'll just try again next year yeah <laughs> old, old shucks maybe though maybe we'll do it yeah like he's a competitive dude. I think that gets lost, even in some of the fans I talk to. Like I have yeah. people all the time that will be like, "Yeah, I think Tony Bennett's just too nice sometimes." Like Tony Bennett's not nice. <laughs> you know, he's a, he's, he's a nice in some ways, coach. but yeah, yeah, he's he's super. He's super, he has different methods, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, there's no there's no there's no downside to being like cordial with the media. Like there's there's no reason to be an ass to to us. Like <laughs> yeah, is really. I mean, I don't. It doesn't really offend me when people are. It's just like. It's what does that help if he comes after the UMBC game? He's like, I'm mad. It's like, okay, well, you shouldn't have lost the game. Um, <laughs> but I mean, yeah. So I mean that, and then if one of the things that I've noticed a lot since you know we started covering games, however many years ago, like the way where we sit is near UVA's bench, and I watch him a lot, just like seeing what he's doing, especially when they're on defense. And he is very, very, very like animated and into the game. <laughs> like it is definitely not like sit on the bench and roll the balls out and and hope for the best. 
Yeah. All right. Last question came from who's Irish and he's asking about the NBA talk. And he says, after Dre, the talk is focused on Jerome, then maybe guy testing the water. Um, but with his length and athleticism and offensive potential, he thinks Diakite seems more like a legit uh, pro, pros- pro prospect. Um, so he, what he's asking is, what are, what are the chances that he might go, um, stick his foot in the water, or maybe even you know really go? Um, and the UVA could actually have four guys. I don't think Diakite is a, a legit option because I don't think I don't think that he physically is ready for what what the league would ask from his position. Right. I think he's still he's still a little bit he's still relatively new to the game in some ways. And so I, I do think that even though he is to me um, just a physical freak of nature in some ways, I don't think he's ready. Um, I, I go back and forth. I mean, I honestly I'm, I'm not going to tell a guy when he can be a lottery pick. He should come back. But I go back and forth on Dre just because of his ball handling. Um, what he's asked to do in terms of handling the ball at Virginia is, is just a little bit different than what he's going to be asked to do at the next level especially if he, if his game is going to continue to be a little bit more inside outside. Um, and I think physically he's got the tools. I just think that from a ball handling standpoint, um, I, I do think he needs to improve it a little bit because I think that's the key for him to be able to get a shot. Um, that, that elbow mid range jumper, um, is just not going to be there as often, um, off jab steps and, um, and head fakes in the league as it is, you know, now, and that's, you know, he's, he's going to have to dribble into space. He's going to have to be able to handle the ball better. Um, but I, the, the, the reason I, 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 I'm really glad that, that, uh, this one got asked is because I do want to talk about the fact that look, Saturday senior day. Um, but there's a very real chance that it, I mean, look, we all, we are pretty positive that one of them is definitely going to be gone, but that multiple guys could be gone from this team and there won't be a, you know, a, um, a set time to recognize them. I mean, maybe after the game, I, you know, Tony has taken the mic at times before. Um, I doubt that he would recognize guys who are not seniors as if they were, but this is a very interesting sort of quote unquote problem because from a program standpoint, Hey, look, when you've got, you, you've got kids who are good, right? You've got, um, you've got guys that want to go pro. Um, that's a good thing. Like it, it might suck in this in the short term, but it puts you in a different stratosphere uh, in terms of the kids who will really look at you. Um, because I mean, a lot of those those top you know twenty five, top thirty kids, they want to go to the league. Like that's their that's their uh, their intent, right? Um, I don't think that four of these guys are going to leave. I mean, I, I've I mean there have been times this year where Mamdi has really impressed me. And times, you know, especially defensively when he's out there, you know, swatting gnats and dragonflies, you know what I'm saying? Like nothing gets through. But I do think there's a very real chance that three of these guys could be gone. And there's not going to be a real chance for for fans and, and everybody to, to show them that appreciation. I'm, I'm kind of hopeful maybe that during intros it'll be a little bit louder. But overall, it's just it's going to be different um, from a senior day when you've got not just, you know, a guy. And look, I don't want to I don't want to overshadow Jack Salt on senior day because that dude has given and he is, he he has he has carried the culture you can you can disagree with his minutes and his usage and I, I that's fair game but his contribution to this program is absolutely essential and anybody who tells you otherwise is flat out wrong you should never listen to him like this kid he carried the cor- the culture torch um and and I think was a big reason why this team has been so successful is it because of the, the example he set? Now, granted, they're really good, but at the same time, too, like a lot of the stuff 
you know, getting over the UMBC loss. Like you wouldn't do that if you didn't have strong leadership. And I feel like Jack deserves that. And I feel like those other kids, they, it's going to stink because there's a very real chance that they won't be back in JPJ. What do you guys think? Let's start with uh Ferber. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously that's a challenge whenever you have guys leaving early, Justin Anderson, um, did it, you know, other guys transfer or go pro. Um, I mean, Duke had senior night last night and they honored, you know, two guys that don't play, I think. Um, and the guys that are going to leave weren't honored. It's just part of the game. But, um, yeah, I think everything you said about Jack is true. Um, and he is also just like, people forget what he was when he got here, right? Like he was big, but he was not nearly the same kind of player. Couldn't contribute in the sort of way that he can now. It was, the development of big men under Tony, it takes a long time, and I think people get frustrated with Huff's minutes and other guys that came before him, whether it be Mike Toby or whoever. Um, but it is a process, but it's been proven to work over time. I mean, they've turned guys like, oh, look, the, the one that always stands out to me is Asan Sen. I mean, that dude was not a, an impact player. And then, you know, a couple years with this staff, and he was like a legit player in the ACC, a starter. Um and then Jack, I mean, he, you know, he's not going to bring it on the offensive end in, in ways. He's not flashy in that way, but but he contributes for sure. Um, as far as the other guys, I think DeAndre's pretty much a lock to go, um, unless something weird happens. But yeah, I mean, the other two, I don't think they're as lo- like lock gone as people seem to think. Just because if you're not a first round pick, you're you don't get the guaranteed money. So I mean, I don't know if it's worth it, but that's their decision, and and I don't know what they're thinking on that. I don't know anything about that. Um, but obviously they've had great careers here and I'm, I'm sure they'll be honored down the road if this is their last home game. And, you know, you, you hope they go out with a bang. But other than that, you know, they still got a lot of basketball left to play. Wrap us up, Dave. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to add. I mean, you know, Jack, uh, you look at Jack's going to graduate with one of the, you know, obviously he had a redshirt season. But if you just consider the four years he played, there's going to be very few. I don't know if there'll be anyone in Virginia history that has more wins on a team he was a part of. Um, you know, you'd probably be Rouse teams. Um, I have to go back and do the math. But um, a quick math, counting this year for the two losses they have so far, it's only been 24 losses in the four years Jack Salt has played here. Um, I believe the winningest player in, in program history is London Parenthes. Okay, so, so Jack Salt would pass I will. Them. I will check yeah, that. Jack I will check that them. as you talk. Keep continuing to talk. Yeah. yeah. Devin Hall so, might be, too. Yeah, so that alone is is super super impressive, Um, but yeah, yeah. This this all season is going to be interesting. Um, You know, I I think some of what happens this all season will will be affected by what happens the rest of this season. You know how the how the season ends. Um, But there's this weird dynamic with this team. We've talked about it a lot. Like Dre's, it appears to be a surefire lottery pick. You know. and you're, you're right, Brad. I think he, he could use some help with with his ball handling, but you know uh, you can you can work on that while you're making millions too. Um, so that, that's kind of hard to pass up. But you know, but just the closeness of that core group. You know, Ty, Ty and Dre are best friends. No, for Ty and Kyle have been friends forever. Kyle and Braxton are friends. Um, Mamadi is friendly with all of them. So you know, you could see a domino effect where if someone like Todd decides to stay, then the other ones don't even consider leaving. Or, you know, I don't think Dre stays, but like, I, I can tell you, I would not be blown away if if Todd decided to stay and Dre said, "Yeah, I'm gonna stay and try to be the number one pick." I know Todd joked about it on Instagram, 
and it's probably a little far-fetched, but it wouldn't be earth-shattering because of how close those guys are um, to wanting to run it together one more time. But, you know, if Ty and Dre leave, you know, then I think the dominoes can fall the other way. Yeah. You know, Kyle's getting married this summer. Um, I don't know that Mamadi's pro-ready, but Mamadi will graduate this year, so he's got other options there too. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting all season. And it's I think it's especially interesting because for once – you know, when, when the other guys left, you know, when Justin left early and when, when Brogdon graduated, you had the young guys coming back the next year. Like, if all those guys leave, like, that team takes a dramatic stop, step back. Casey Morsell and Shedrick haven't been on this team with them, so there's not that passing of the torch on the court we got to witness. So it's going to be a different time, you know, if that happens for sure. And be a great, really fun time to be a message board host if three or four guys... <laughs> Yeah, because they're not going to all announce at once, you know, but um, well, we're going to leave you with that gloom and doom. Uh, If you are someone who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up. Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your podcast, give us a rating review. That definitely helps to get us out in front of more people. Um, If you are someone who has found the pod but hasn't given us a look on the website, check us out, CavsCorner.com. Right now, you can read the take two on the Syracuse game where we give you the the reason why they won and, and what it means. Uh, I've also got some recruiting content up, which this time of year, you know, there are junior day visits and stuff, but there's so much basketball on our site uh, for obvious reasons. But I caught up with three-star offensive uh, tackle, or excuse me, offensive lineman. I think he's probably a guard or center. Gus Hartwig, as well as three-star uh, Georgia linebacker, uh, Romello Height, to talk about their trips to UVA last weekend. Um, and if you haven't seen those yet, I think you're probably going to come away from those thinking the Cavaliers are pretty in a pretty good spot. Um, and as you listen to this coming up later today, Ferb will have his updated power rankings, um, which I guess are the last ones of the season. Tear, sniffle, sigh. Um, so again, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. I want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time. As always, I very much appreciate it. So for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.